This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I am your host, Jesse David Fox. So this is our second of a run of archive episodes we are running while we work on the next season of the show. So each of these holds a special significance to me as it relates to the show's evolution. Uh, This week's episode, for example, is Weird Al, which was my first, oh shit, I cannot believe I'm going to be talking to this person guest. You know, I've done over 70 Good One interviews, maybe over 80, I actually don't know. So I tend to remember only specific moments from given conversations. And it was weird, it came after a few minutes of talking about how he will sort of play with words in his mind and sort of write things down when it comes to titles and lyrics. And he stopped me and he's like, let me just get my laptop and show you. And I instantly knew this was special. It just felt so intimate. In many ways, the work is a wall between the artist and the audience. It's the front the creator puts up as a means of communicating out to the world. Hearing about process is an invitation to sort of come on the other side of the wall. Truly, I have no idea if any of this makes sense, but I feel like you feel like it should make sense. It's maybe the earliest moment where I was like, oh, this is a show. So here is that interview. Here's Weird Al Yankovic. Here's Word Crimes. Everybody shut up. I need the 
asking you how to learn your homophones is past to learn to diagram a sentence to always say to whom don't ever say to who and listen up when i tell you this i hope you never use quotation marks for emphasis you finish second grade i hope you can tell if you're doing good or doing well better figure out the difference irony is not coincidence and i thought that you'd gotten it through your skull but what's figurative and what's literal oh but just now just now you said you, said, you literally couldn't get We want to literally smack a crowbar up like your stupid head. Here with the person behind the song you just heard, Weird Al Yankovic. Hey, Jesse. How you doing? Oh, good. Thank you so much for uh, allowing us to do this. My pleasure. Deep dive into word crimes. I want to kind of start back to, you know, if there's this like the Big Bang results in the earth that is the <laughs> song. Let's go back to the the first Adam, which is, I imagine, you hearing blurred lines. What would, regardless of if you know what you're going to do with it or that you even were working on an album, do you remember hearing it for the first time or one of the first times? Yeah, I, and I just thought it was an extremely catchy kind of Marvin Gaye pastiche. Yes. <laughs> you know? Uh, no, and I thought, oh, this really jumps out at you on the radio and this would be a good candidate for parody. Yeah. And it was something that I kind of kept in the back of my mind. And this was, you know, a good year before Mandatory Fun came out. So I was thinking, gosh, I, I don't know if, you know, this is going to be topical or timely enough by the time I'm ready to release an album because, yeah. you know, I try to be, you know, I, I try not to have the parodies be too dated. But it was it was the big song of the summer of 2013, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just kind of stuck in my head, and I and and it, it kind of felt like if I put out my album and I didn't have a a, a blurred lines parody, it would be a glaring omission. People yeah. like, why didn't you do blurred lines? Yeah. So I I basically uh, sat down and I tr- I made a list of every possible variation on a theme I could think of, every possible rhyme and half rhyme and, and direction I could go to try to make that funny. Yeah. And it was a bit of a challenge because the song by that point had already been parodied to death. I mean, in, in the YouTube world that we live in, you know, a, a week after Robin Thicke had his hit, there were 10,000 parodies of it. And most yeah. of them were takes on him being misogynistic and yeah, yeah. a little rapey and that whole thing. So I knew that whatever, whatever I did, I, I couldn't go down that path. I'd have to go a whole different direction. When you say you kind of make a list of possible options, are you literally just going like, all right, bird binds, Kurt, <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, sort of. I mean, I mean, if, they, if there's zero potential, I don't write it down. If it's just nonsense syllables, I don't write it down. But but like, yeah, but do you like, it's like, how? It no, it's, it, there's a lot of bad ideas. I'm going to put it that way. Because the, the first step is there's no filter at all. It's just like anything I can think of that has a remote possibility of being a song, I write it down as an option. And then after I kind of have that brain dump, I, you know, the next day I'll go back and look at the list. Yeah. And 99% will just be horrible ideas. But if, if I'm lucky, one of them will be like an idea where I go, oh, yeah, I could maybe twist that and maybe make that into a three and a half minute long song. <laughs> so shirt ties was the one that I thought might work or fur lined. Sure. Now, there, Do I, you remember any? Well, the, I actually it was um, looking back on it. I can't believe it was even a, a close call. But uh, 
I, I think when we pitched Robin Thicke on the idea I, of me doing a parody, I didn't even know for sure it was going to be word crimes. It was like, it's either going to be a song about grammar or or how, what a drag it is to be like waiting in a long line or something like that. <laughs> I didn't, I literally didn't even know what the concept was, but we just wanted to see if Robin Thicke would be up, open yeah. to it. And he, he signed off on it. Is it that usually the earliest you kind of would do it in ter- the process in terms of asking if it's okay? Yeah, yeah, that was that was even a little earlier than I normally do it because I, I usually have a pretty solid idea what the parody is going to be, and I pitch and I, I don't have the lyrics written out because yeah. I don't want to like go through the trouble if yeah. they're you know they wind up being humorless. But I at least have a strong idea what the direction is and what the title is, and I pitch that, or my manager pitches it to their representative or whatever. But I, we pitch the idea and they sign off on it. And, and in this case, I think it was like I got a basic idea. It's going to be something about. You know, yeah, <laughs> but I just I just kind of wanted to take his temperature and he was fine with it. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'll be weird out. It'll be it'll be like a parody of your song. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be like a song parody. Yeah. And yours will be the song that we'd be parodying. <laughs> when you then ended up on, on with word crimes, you know, when picking it, is there is this something you're aware of? Like, this is kind of the mission statement of like what? I'm trying to do comedically and this is fits in it. Like, do you try to think about, is it that conscious of like, Oh, I'm weird Al. And this fits into the universe of what the songs are. I'm doing. It's, it's sort of like the, uh, most of my songs are sort of like the Randy Newman esque kind of, uh, untrustworthy narrator kind of thing. It's like there's, which, which is difficult for, for word crimes because there's a lot of me in that character because I personally, you know, am a bit of a grammar nerd and, and bad grammar, irritates me but i'm not quite as pedantic or or prescriptivist as as the uh as the uh singer in that song you know i i i don't like bad grammar but i don't think i'd ever hit somebody over the head with lead pipe yeah uh, for you know bad syntax each so you do write them for a character singing the song yes and the character changes per song right that's, that's correct yeah you're not thinking like okay it it's not okay. It's Weird Al, and but now he's wearing a hat, but it's still Weird Al. You're thinking, okay, each song you're writing a story. Yeah, it's a version of you that is cast in it. If, if people, and people freak out sometimes because, like, how can you write a song like My Bologna when you're a vegetarian? Like, well, these are not all autobiographical songs. I don't, I don't like, you know, behead people or like do yeah. do most of the things that I, you know, the characters in the songs do. That's interesting that uh, you mentioned that it's not you, and especially that you would not be so kind of harsh about it it is a uh there's a meanness to this song that i think maybe people won't as- don't associate with like w- the other the rest of your songs I mean, some of your songs there definitely is that is that is that intentional is that something that you like playing with it? it's, it's an exaggeration for the sake of comedy i mean you know uh and i i've been taking a task a lot because of that because you know a lot of teachers tell me they would have liked to have used that as a as a as teaching material in their schools but it's just too mean spirited yeah. but you know it's it, it wasn't i didn't write it really to be you know part of a classroom curriculum it's it's meant to be comedy and part of what my perception of it is for me to be over the top with the character yeah. like just to do grammar lessons is okay but to make the the character like so intense that you know he threatens people with violence for <laughs> for bad grammar that that kind of pushes it over that is more than just like the one joke of yeah we're putting the words into the like word. part part of the comedy is a guy that's just so intense about grammar oh interesting um so that was kind of the goal of it when you say you know like is when you you know we're still before even writing it when you're about to write it are you like okay the goal of this is to do x was it to like 
here's the story. It's almost essentially parody. Both people are bad at grammar and people who care too much. about. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, a a lot of my uh, songs uh, are are two edged that way. Like I did a song called uh, Don't Download the Song, which uh, famously got people either either both sides are mad at me or both sides are, are fans because that made fun of the people that were uh downloading illegally as well as the people that were prosecuting people downloading illegally and it, it sort of like gave both sides of the issue in sort of a ridiculous way yeah though it's not satire it obviously there's a contrast of like what the original song is and what the parody is you know can you describe that sort of conflict when you're going for when you are um you people know the source material and obviously you're parroting it. So it's going to be different, but like, what are you, what is like that magical sweet spot of that contrast? Well, I, I love to get a really bizarre juxtaposition. Uh, and, and a lot of my humor, uh, comes from glorifying the mon- mundane. So I, I thought it was a really sweet thing for me to be able to take that song, which is, you know, pretty sexually charged <laughs> and turn it into a song about proper grammar usage. Yeah. So let's talk about actually writing words of this song. And on the most basic level, do you, do you make an outline? Do you list ideas before you even start writing? Yeah, it's it's the the pack rat school of writing. I I, uh, I just make pages and pages and pages of notes. Uh, just uh, you know, just words and phrases and random things having to do with grammar. And I, I made a a master list of every little grammar thing that you know, every little pet peeve I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I went on, online and I like read other people's pet peeves about grammar, and I just made a huge master list. And then it was just a matter of trying to. You know, you know, Tetris-like form formulate a pop yeah. song out of that. The nature of how songs work, song structure works, it uh, lends itself to heightening a premise in its way. Before you even set out, is the idea that like, okay, we'll start with like a, a very basic understanding of like what the premise of this joke is, and then over time we will expand upon it. You know, the, the subject matter of the joke is, is there, and and it, it I, you know, some, sometimes it reveals itself more as I continue writing. But, uh, I mean, the mission statement's always <laughs> sort of in place there. Um, a lot of times I'll write, um, figure out what the uh, what the choruses are first, uh, or if there's any, like, specific lines in the song which really stand out in the original, which I get, I, I, you know, th- this has to be right on. Yeah. Uh, like, you would not use it's in this case. Yeah. It's like, lines up with the original because that's, like, a focus point of the song. So you, you go for the points of the song where you feel like, You've got to nail it and get the uh, exact get the idea, phrasing, yeah. get the exact phrasing, get the, the whole concept spot on, and then if if you get that right, then you feel more confident that everything else is going to fill in. So you, you almost start with those points. It's sort of like goalposts. You, yeah, you yeah. set those up first, and then you kind of fill in around it. Are you listening to a bunch beforehand, and and then even beyond that, how do you, do you have their lyrics in front of you? Do you have a rough track of it without the vocals in it? You know, how do you even have? The thing to be like, oh, I need to have something to refer against. Um, or is I, it in your head? Well, it's 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 all of the above. I mean, I listen to the song a lot, obviously. Uh, I will write out the lyrics and I will uh, have um, rough lyrics uh, to, to the right of each line. Uh, and I will, you know, I'm so analytical about this stuff. I, I will come up with like a dozen lines for every line of the song, just like variations on a line. Like there's a lot of different ways to say the same thing. And I'll write them all down. So I, I can, sh- I'll show you if you want. I'll show you at some point, yeah. like like one of my uh, documents where for word crimes, uh, for every line there'll be you know ten variations. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then I'll I'll go back later and I'll 
figure out which one flows the best, which one is, you know, rolls off the tongue the easiest or which one is the funniest. So it's, it's really line by line almost, or like couplet by couplet. I imagine. Pr- pretty much. And then there's obviously there's, there's couplets that d- get discarded because either they don't fit or they're, they're not as good as some of the others. Um, but it's, it's all, it's, you know, it is a bit like a puzzle because I try <laughs> to fit as much of the good stuff in as I can uh, and, and make every syllable as good as it can be. Do you remember other options for that? You would not use it's in this case. Um, or, or just, you know, what about the original line that you're like, how can I translate it? Yeah. I, I just wanted to match the original line as closely as possible. And when I, when I came upon, uh, you would not use it's in this case, then that kind of informed, okay, well the, that whole second verse is going to be about the use of contractions, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's like a little bit of, re, you know, reverse engineering. Yeah. So there's, um, I think it's the first verse or the bridge. I don't know how they delineate it. But so the original line is, it's almost like reading the original lines. You feel, you realize how gross they are. Uh, (laughs) Now it goes, okay, now he was close, tried to domesticate you, but you're an animal. Baby, it's in your nature, which you changed to, okay, now here's the deal. I'll try to educate you. Going to familiarize you with the nomenclature. So obviously nature and nomenclature rhyme. Mm Mm-hmm. Is do you try to have certain hooks like that in there that are essentially, you know, essentially directly as, as in so much as blurred line rhymes with word crimes mm-hmm. have those sort of inner parody? It, it, it's not absolutely essential, but if you can make it work, there's something in the back of your brain that makes you makes you lock in a little bit more with the yeah. original song. So it, make, it makes it a little bit funnier. The, the closer you can keep to it, keep to the original source material. While while tweaking it to a whole different subject matter, I, I think that that makes the comedy play better. Yeah, it's something that probably people don't notice happens because they unless they have the lyrics in front of them, they're not right. lining it up. They, but, they, they might not even be consciously aware of it, but <laughs> they somewhere in their brain they're thinking, "Oh, yeah, that works." Yeah, yeah. And then, how important is trying to match syllables? That I think is pretty important. I mean, I, I hear uh, a lot of kind of amateurish parody writers that try to like jam too many syllables into a line or not enough. Or and this is a big pet peeve when they when they just don't get the accents right. I mean, just getting the exact right number of syllables isn't enough. I mean, there's a meter, there's a yeah. musical rhythm to every line, and if you get the accent on the wrong syllable, it's not. Yeah. It doesn't flow that well. Another passage, which is "You want to hug me, hey, hey, hey," what rhymes with "hug me"? So that is another the probably the second probably biggest part of the right, song. Right. Do you remember writing what your, you know, yours ended up being, it's a contraction. Hey, 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 what's a contraction? Right. <laughs> it is funny even reading them out. Like, that is funny. That is definitely different. Um, and this, you know, obviously contraction is a different word than want to hug me. But do you remember the process of contraction? Okay. I've got this in front of me now. I haven't looked at this stuff since I wrote the song. However many years ago that was, this is just uh, potential <laughs> concepts, and this is going down a list of like really horrible <laughs> word rhymes, horrible oh, ideas that I had. Dessert line, abs- absurd mimes, absurd finds. It's about a guy who hates the airlines. I mean, these you know songs that would not have been as good. Okay, so so this is the the finished version. This is this is sort of how I write with the original oh, lines right, on the left and uh, my potential uh, lyrics on the right, and then underneath that I've got like variations on oh, yeah. every line, you know, and it, it, a lot of them were just small iterations, but yeah. 
So yeah, I, I guess I guess I kind of locked in on it being a contraction joke pretty early on. Then I do, it was all just like variations on how I was going to define contraction. So that's so that was the, the second question, which is I believe that I can't. That's not in the original song where you explain what a contraction is, right? <laughs> because in she doesn't say what rhymes with hug me, no, right? Famously, and then so but what was the decision to essentially put your own spin on it to actually explain what a contraction? Is? Well, I, I think if you ask a question like what's a contraction in a educational song, you need to then give the definition. Yeah. And there was sort of like some kind of vocal rep, like, hey, and I think, why would I need that? We'll just <laughs> we'll just throw in the, the definition of a contraction. Was that part of it? I, now, I didn't even think about that, like, that in some way it's in the universe of Schoolhouse rocking it in that it's, like, educational. Because especially the hey, 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 yeah. this feels like a kid's cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, again, I mean, that was my my main uh, uh, intent in writing the song was to provide Schoolhouse rock. But, um, you know, it's I, I did want it to be correct and and uh, informative yeah. for people. And, you know, the, the same way that, people on the internet will correct other people's grammar. This is meant to be, I, I kind of saw this as being something that would get forwarded to people that <laughs> could use a few grammar lessons. I wanted to ask about the rap and just even generally with rap, because rap has a very specific difference, I think in terms of how we kind of expect to hear it. And the rhythms of it are different than if you're maybe parroting just regular singing. Do you take extra care when you're parroting the rap? I guess would we say the flow of a rapper? Or you try to be like, very conscious of how he's doing it in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's the same as, as any other kind of music, really. But, I mean, you have to be very, you know, particular about, uh, again, the number of syllables, where the accents are. Uh, and rap, rap music tends to be a little bit more intricate. There are more internal rhymes. Uh, there are more things to be aware of. Uh, and there are, there are a lot more things you can get wrong when you're doing a parody of, uh, of rap music, which is why there, you know, a lot of rap parodies just don't work or they're kind of corny is just because there's not a lot of care given to yeah. you know matching the the flow of the original just aside what was the hardest rapper to rap like um because i listened back to those certain raps to to see your your history doing i was like some of these are like actually pretty intricate rap, rapping that you're able to mimic in certain ways yeah i, I don't know who'd be the hardest i mean eminem got pretty fast uh uh, I, I, I did work crimes every night on the last tour and I kind of got through it pretty well. Uh, white nerdies are pretty fast rap too. crazy bones, but, yeah. um, it, it's hard to say. I mean, you, you practice anything long enough and you, you know, you <laughs> get through it. Was the Prince lyric an allusion to the fact that he hasn't let you, he never let you parody any of his songs? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's a direct reference to the fact, you know, what, of his song titles that use the, the numbers and the, the letters and things like that. But also it's a little nudge. I mean, at, at the time, you know, Prince was still with us. Uh, and he, uh, for decades, he'd sort of been my scapegoat because he's, he's, was always the one guy that, that has historically and famously never let me do any parodies. Uh, so, you know, I, Anytime I can give him a little nudge. <laughs> sure. Uh, was there much debate about the cunning linguist joke that's in there? It's like a little bit on the bluer side. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I obviously knew that when I was writing it. And, I, and you know, I, my, my music isn't, I know a lot of kids listen to my music, but it's not like, it's not meant to be like rappy. It's not, <laughs> it's not kiddie music. And it, that's one of those kind of things where, you know, hopefully the parents will get a kick kick out of it and it'll go over the kid's head. Yeah. Like I I wrote a children's book. I mean, an actual children's book where I use the phrase, phrase master debater, (laughs) which, you know, uh, the parents will get that, but the kids probably won't. And I think there's a long history of like that type of jokes 
yeah. slipping them in. Yeah. So I don't think it was, it's almost like in keeping with kind of your history of like the, of playing with the kind of tropes that have existed in comedy before. We'll be back with more Weird Al after this word from our sponsor. We're back with Weird Al. Um, so in general, like from just the, the writing process, how long are we talking about just in terms of the lyrics of it? I get asked that a lot, and there, there's no real set answer. I mean, I, I can write music pretty quickly, but I, I tend to spend a long time on it just to kind of gather ideas and let, let things kind of gestate in my brain. So I, I can't tell you how long I spent writing word crimes. If I had to guess, maybe a couple weeks. Although, you know, life goes on and I wasn't just yeah. <laughs> just writing it during those two weeks. But, um, that, yeah, I mean, I, 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 so I've been known to write a song uh, like in half an hour and I've been known to take months writing a song. So it really varies. Considering that you self-produce all different types of music, how are you preparing just the music part of it? After you have the lyrics locked, how do you prepare then then to translate it to the sound like that. well that that's the easy part for me because i work with very talented people and when i'm doing when i'm doing the originals or the pastiches that involves a lot of work on my part because that involves writing and arranging and doing demos and rehearsing and all that but the parodies really can be simpler for me because there's basically me uh you know giving cds to the guys in the band and say here learn this yeah and they, so the only question is uh are we changing the key are we changing the temp- tempo are we editing it are we doing anything different arrangement wise uh, and other than that, it's basically the template is there and yeah. they have their marching orders. How often are you changing the key? Not often, except a lot of times when I do female vocalists because their range, oddly enough, is a bit higher than mine. Yeah, I don't know what that is. So, so sometimes I will transpose down a bit when I'm, when I'm doing that. How often are you uh, essentially like taking out sections or doing anything like that well you know if if it, if it feels redundant um i think if this is edited down from the original blurred lines uh i forget what exactly we, we, we took out but there's also like just a more music it's just yeah that could be it i mean anything that's repetitive or doesn't you know isn't inherently funny yeah. or just feels like it's wasted time we, we try to get it down to it just being you know uh all about the the, the comedy at this point, do you have any problem singing a falsetto? Is it now you can just nail it? It's uh, pretty. It's a pretty high part. Yeah, I, I'm pretty good. I'm like I'm the only guy in the band I think that does falsetto, which is which is uh, why we we uh, don't do a lot of falsetto songs in concert with with harmonies. Yeah, uh, my, my my falsetto is okay, but uh, even uh, my my bass player is a good singer, but he's got a very low range. And 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 Jim West, my guitar player, is a good singer, but his falsetto is a little shaky. Uh, and the other two guys in the band only sing when absolutely necessary. <laughs> Did anything surprise you with the music in terms of when you're focusing on it? You're like, oh, that's interesting that they do. I mean, you know music. Uh-huh. You know, this is a song you probably heard, but I mean... When you're really focusing on the music, did anything surprise you in terms of the arrangement or the chord structure or anything like that? It was a fun arrangement. It's, it's pretty simple. I mean, you know, there there aren't a lot of uh, instruments or parts in the song, but it's it's really funky and it's got a great groove. And and I mean, it's that's that's Pharrell. I mean, he just uh, uh, I, I love his arrangements and how he's able to very simply, you know, uh, come up with a hook like that. So for the video, what was the decision not to do a straight parody of it? You know, you released it in a series of eight videos, uh, and this was, few of them weren't, but this one so specifically wasn't a parody of the video. Was right. that always, the, did you always know you were going, you were not going to do a video parody? 
Well, once I came up with the uh, the concept for the song, I thought, oh, this would be great for kinetic typography, yeah. which is a, a video that basically uses words uh, on the screen, but in a very creative way. And I just thought, well, this this is the perfect format for uh, this this concept. And I went online and I tried to find uh, somebody that I thought would be really, really good at it. And th- there are a lot of great kinetic typography video artists out there. And uh, I found Jarrett Heather, who did the video for uh, Jonathan Colton called Shop Vac. Yeah. And just based on the one video, I, I saw that he had a lot of talent. He was, you know, um, had a great sense of humor. He had a great feel for comic timing. Uh, and he was very skillful uh, with a computer. And, you know, that that was basically it. I, I just, I tracked him down. He was kind of hard to find, actually. Yeah, he's not a full-time music video. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Uh, he was just a guy that made a, a music video. And, and uh I, I, his Twitter account had been inactive for two years and had, and he'd kind of fallen off the earth in terms of social media. And I thought, this guy die? What? And, and, but he turns out, no, he just kind of was living his life. <laughs> and I contacted him and said, hey, it's Weird Al Yankovic and you want to do my next video? <laughs> and he's like, and yeah, that, that sounds yeah. like exactly what I And he like did. He, he spent 500 hours. It was just him and his laptop. And he made the Word Crimes video and he just, he just knocked it out of the park. What sort of conversation did you have beforehand and during the process of those 500 hours well uh, we were always in contact with 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 each other sometimes when i uh have uh an outside party do one of my videos sometimes i just trust them and and say have fun and and if they want to just do it on their own that's fine and then i'm hopefully happy with what they present me with but but jared was always uh uh uh, looping me in and including me which was great because i got to give him notes and Mm -hmm. and and feedback along the way and i think together we we made it a lot better did you does it you know is it storyboarded before together in terms of like i think in the most basic like okay i mean to be fair the lyrics kind of set up a lot (laughs) yeah but i mean based on the lyrics he would he'd present me with a rough storyboard and i i would you know make a few notes and we'd we'd fine-tune it and uh yeah but before he you know, because there's that's a lot of man hours you spend on something, so you don't want them to go in a whole uh, different direction. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember at one point he told me he was going to do the whole bridge in, in whiteboard animation. I said, well, no, we're doing this whole other video in whiteboard animation, so could you please do a chalkboard? Like, yeah. Okay. So then, I mean, you've talked about the release strategy before and that you, it's not a new thing for you. You've always done a lot of these videos. And um, did you... The order of it, I think, what Word Crimes was, was it third? Second. It was, it was second, second, yeah. So the first was... It was um, tacky. Tacky. And did, what was your thinking with the order? Well, um, uh, Tacky was the day before uh, the, the album actually dropped. And I, I just thought that Tacky was going to get the most media attention because it featured a bunch of celebrities, yeah. you know, and, and, and happy was uh, a huge song and, and, and certainly more, more current than, uh, than a uh, blurred lines at the time. And I just thought it was a bigger PR thing. It was, I think I thought that more uh, uh, media outlets and in- internet portals would pick up on the fact that I was doing this particular song and word crimes was perhaps a stronger song, but I just didn't think that had as much impact, but it was, it was a strong, it was a great one, two punch of starting with tacky. Then the next day with word crimes, uh, and then the following day with foil. So yeah. it was just, and, and by that time people were like, he's doing it every day. It was something that I remember I was, I was blogging at that time. And the first one came out and I'm like, cool. I'll write about this. And then the second one came out and I remember like from on top, people were like, all right, every day weird. I was going to put out stuff and we have to do it because it was so unexpected which is amazing that you, uh, 
so many years into your career, it was unexpected how popular <laughs> it would be. Was it, how was the feeling for you, even though success and popularity of these things is common, you had put out a few years earlier and people liked it. What was this sort of version of success like in that week? It, it was amazing. I, I mean, it was, uh, I've never had as much attention focused on me as I, as I had that week. It was, I was so in the spotlight and it was, it was emotional because I, I never thought that that would ever happen to me. I mean, you know, I was, it was the last album on, on my contract and I, my, my previous two had cracked the top 10. And I was thinking, I hope this one cracks the top 10. I, it would it'd be nice to go out on top, yeah. but having a number one album was not, not in my wildest dreams. I mean, that was so crazy. And I, I almost started crying on live TV a couple of times that week just because I couldn't believe what was happening to me. And you're constantly being asked that. And it's still like, yeah, because every album you're putting out, and they have certain certain amount of penetration, but to have a number one album as your last album, yeah, it's a nice little mic drop. <laughs> yeah. uh, so then uh, it comes out, and then more time passes. When you hear if Blurred Line plays, is your mind hearing the song, or do you hear your own words? Like if I hear it on the radio, yeah, yeah, I, I I tend to turn off, change the channel, or turn off the radio if the original song comes on because it kind of messes with my head because I still have to be singing my version uh, in in concert. So I, once I write my parody, I, I <laughs> and record it, I, I tend not to listen to the original I anymore. Eliminate a lot of songs from your well, radio listening, I suppose. Yeah. So since Pharrell and Robin Thicke lost the court case for copyright infringement uh, with the Marvin Gaye estate, does that affect you in any way? Not directly. I mean, people have asked me about that. I um, I have to assume that uh, whatever royalties I've paid them in the past probably uh, got given to the Marvin Gaye estate in the in the okay, you know, uh, in whatever their settlement in, in the settlement, right? Uh, and going forward, maybe it just goes directly to the Marvin Gaye estate. I, I honestly don't know. That's something for the lawyers to figure out. <laughs> You're not like asking your accountants like, so where does this money come? No. It's- <laughs> Usually I asked this question at the beginning, but I, I thought it might be nice again. Uh, why did you want to talk about this song? Oh, um, I don't know. It's 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 current, and it's it's one of my favorite parodies, and it's, it's something that uh, that I'm proud of, and uh, it just uh, is one of those songs that's sort of uh, near and dear to me. It's because it's it's there's a you know like it's, even though I am playing a character, uh, it's one of those songs like white and nerdy where I get to draw. <laughs> A bit from real life. So, I mean, as you said, Mandatory Fun will be probably your last album album. Right. It's the end of the your very long contract. Also, comedy moves quicker. Um, and Word Crumbs was the biggest of those songs. Uh, with that in mind, you know, how do you feel about that as the fact, you know, it is the last of your run of making album-based comedy parody, if that makes sense. Like if it's in terms of as a final note, how do you feel about work crime? You know, as as a final note, I think it it, it feels it feels good to me. Uh, you know, I want to you know say that I, I'm hopefully not retiring. Yeah. You know, hopefully isn't the last you'll hear from me. But I, as as the end of an era of albums, uh, I'm, I'm I feel I feel pretty good about it. I, I think that Mandatory Fund was a, a strong last release, and and I'm very happy with the word crimes and. Uh, if, if, if that era is going to end, I think it's ending on a proper note. What is your current feeling about musical parody as a form that you both defined and define your career at this point now that you have some freedom to know that you don't have to keep on doing it? <laughs> you, you likely still will do things, but I want to 
with the fact that you now know that you don't have to, how do you currently feel about it as a form? Uh, I'm still interested in it and I still intend to do it in the future. Uh, I have to say that since mandatory fun, I haven't been terribly proactive in writing new parodies. Uh, I'm just kind of taking a little bit of a vacation from it. And I'm just trying to experiment and, and seeing what other things I can do that would be fun for me. I, I did uh, a season of Comedy Bang Bang, which I which I love doing. I'm getting involved in other uh, feature and, and TV projects and and things like that, and, and other music projects as well. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that the, the parodies will will come again. I mean, I think I think part of me is holding back a little bit because we've got this box set coming out. And, you know, it, it would feel a little weird for me to, like, release new material and then, like, oh, how come that's not of the box set? Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, it's out. Now I could. It, do you think you'll approach parodying from a fresh eyes in some ways if you're taking is I mean, you probably have taken breaks before, but not a break that can be indefinite. Do you think that'll allow you to sort of approach parodying in a different way? Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not like I was so much held back all these years yeah. or like, you know, you can't do that. But I mean, it's it's just allowed me to like, you know, uh, work with other people and and partner with various other people that uh, not again, not that I couldn't have done it in the past. But I don't I don't need to get anybody's permission. I don't need to. Uh, I'm, I'm not tethered in any way to a company that 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 owns me. Yeah. <laughs> So that sound means it's time for the laughing round. It's so it's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's laugh laughing round. Okay. Lightning rule. Lightning round rules apply. Okay. Um, do you remember the hardest verse or song that you had to write? Oh boy, the the the, the M&M parody was a little well, tough because there are a lot of internal rhymes, yeah. and that was a very uh, uh, complex song to try to to get right. And I gave it my best shot, but that was that was one of the tougher ones, I think. Is there a song you'd like another crack at either because you, you don't like the version or you had two good ideas and you wish you could have done both ideas? Well, the, the, the whole first album, I think we could have uh, uh, produced a little bit better. That was done very quickly and, and uh, you know, sounds a bit rushed. Uh, and, and there, there's, you know, artists certainly that I ha- didn't get around to that I, I wish I had at some point or, or songs that I would have parodied if it, the timing had worked out better. Um, a lot of people are telling me that I should have uh, done Trump instead of Gump, but, uh, you know, I, I tend to stay away from polit- political yeah. humor. So that's probably just well, as well. Funniest music key. Mm, well, it, it has to depend on, on your vocal range because you have to figure out what, uh, key your voice is the funniest in for any particular song and then just go with that. Do you have a favorite comedy bang bang character? Uh, of my own or, or well, not of your own. Not of my own. You've been on enough episodes. Gosh, on the podcast or the TV show? Either either. Either one. Uh, I I, I like the Scott Ackerman character. Oh, that's very nice of you to (laughs) say. You probably appreciate that a lot. (laughs) F, marry, kill. Uh, Assuming they were alive, since we always (laughs) prefer death. Um, Alan Sherman, uh, Stan Freeberg, and Alfred E. Newman. The, the Mad Magazine character. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Really? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, you know, gosh. Well, you don't have to uh, have sex with him. So it'd be, let's say, collaborate, marry, kill. Because <laughs> it feels weird because then you'd be like forcing yourself. Okay. Well, I, I'd, I'd feel weird about killing uh, Stan or Alan. So I guess I have to kill Alfred E. Newman. I'm sorry, Alfred. <laughs> uh, and. I guess collaborate with Stan and Mary Allen. 
That is correct. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know there was a right answer. No, there was, and you got it right on the money. That's it for another episode of Good One. Follow Weird Al on Twitter, at Al Yankovic, and on Instagram, at Alfred Yankovic. Good One is produced by me and Mike Commentite. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. And hey, if you'd know anyone who might like the podcast, maybe tell them. What the heck? You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Have a good one. That was a HeadGum Podcast.